guys. Welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. Today, we are going to talk COVID. I wanted to talk about it last week with everything going on, uh, but we didn't get to. We took a break on Thursday. We did Most Misused with Philippians 4.13. If I do say so myself, I think it was a very encouraging episode. I encourage you to go listen to that episode if you haven't already. And we also did a voicemail segment where you guys sent in some of the crazy dreams that you guys have been having, like recurring dreams, like the one that just made me crack up so much was the one about Toby the dog in Halloween and a witch. So definitely go listen to that if you have not listened to Thursday's episode. But today I want to talk about COVID because we didn't get to talk uh, about everything that happened last week with the monoclonal antibodies and the Biden administration. So we're going to do that. And we're going to talk about lots of other data uh, amidst this COVID insanity that's going on. Now, why are we talking about this? Why have we relentlessly been talking about this for the past 18 months? Because the truth matters. And if you have found yourself at any point in the last year and a half wondering why what you are seeing and hearing doesn't seem to make sense, I want you to know that you're not alone and you're not crazy. If you have found yourself questioning the approved narrative on the virus and its origins and the policies put in place to supposedly mitigate the spread of the virus, I want you to know that you're not alone, you're not crazy, and if you have not found yourself asking any questions at all over the past year and a half about this stuff, it's time to start. It might be a little bit too late, uh, but better late than never. I am going to help you do that. So first, I want to talk about what happened with the Biden administration last week and the distribution of the monoclonal antibodies and why this is such a big deal. Let's back up first. I want to give you a little bit of context. So You'll remember the emergency episode that we did last Friday. We don't typically have episodes come out on Friday, but we did on, I believe it was September uh, September 10th, so not last Friday, but the one before. I'll link it in the description to this episode where we dissected Joe Biden's insane, authoritarian, plain weirdo speech in which he said uh, that he is, among other things, requiring all companies with 100 or more employees to mandate vaccination or weekly testing for their employees. There have been several companies, typically more conservative leaning, like outwardly conservative leaning companies that have said, okay, we're not going to comply with that. And of course, the Biden administration is not happy with that kind of noncompliance. But in that speech, he also mentioned monoclonal antibodies as a treatment uh, that his administration would ensure would be distributed. And he even promised an increase in distribution. Here's what he said, quote, additionally, we're increasing the availability of new medicines recommended by real doctors, not conspiracy theorists, whatever that means. The monoclonal antibody treatments have been shown to reduce the risk of hospitalization by up to 70 percent for unvaccinated people at risk of developing severe disease. We've already distributed 1.4 million courses of these treatments to save lives and reduce the strain on hospitals. Tonight, I'm announcing we will increase the average pace of shipment across the country of free monoclonal antibody treatment by another 50%. So that was probably one of the only good things, if not the only good thing that he said in this speech. Now, the one part that is not really accurate is that this is a treatment for unvaccinated people. That's not necessarily true. For example, Ron DeSantis said that at least in one county in Florida, the majority of people receiving these treatments are actually fully vaccinated. And so the people who are getting sick, who are vaccinated, are also accessing these treatments. I mean, he's right. Joe Biden is right. These antibody treatments treatments like uh, Regenerons have been proven to be effective. And that's why Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, has been such a big promoter of them for months, even to the chagrin of the media who falsely said that he was promoting these treatments instead of vaccines. That's just not true. Charles Cook explains all of this in National Review. He says, quote, two months ago, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida was being roundly castigated for promoting the use of 
of Regeneron's monoclonal antibody treatment as part of his state's efforts to fight COVID-19. Desperate to find something sinister in the push, DeSantis's critics threw out every charge they could dream up. At first, the line that the line was that Regeneron's treatment didn't work. Then it was that Regeneron's treatment worked fine, but represented a dangerous distraction from the vaccine. And finally, it was that Regeneron's treatment was part of a corrupt plot to enrich DeSantis's donors. Today, the article goes on to say, we learned from the Washington Post that actually none of that was the problem. Instead, DeSantis's sin is that he has been relying upon monoclonal antibody treatment too much and that this is unfair to other states that now need it. So the criticism he's saying has evolved drastically coming from the media toward Ron DeSantis as it became obvious this treatment was and is doing a lot to prevent both the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, again, uh, to get better without having to go to the hospital. And since the Biden administration acknowledged that even prior to Biden's speech a couple weeks ago, the liberal media class have had to change their tune um, while still holding on to this very bizarre allegation that DeSantis was was touting the treatment too much and not in the right way. Uh, Cook goes on to say in his article, quote, Explaining his approach at a press conference two weeks ago, DeSantis made it abundantly clear that he is not hoping to, quote, lean into monoclonals to the detriment of vaccines or to play defense with no offense, but to adopt an all of the above approach. If you're at risk, the governor said the best thing you can do beforehand, obviously, is to get vaccinated. But even if you are and if you're not, if you do become covid positive, you have an opportunity to get early treatment using these monoclonal antibodies. This is not in lieu of vaccination, DeSantis continued. It's in addition to. Back when the state began to promote Regeneron's therapy, uh, Florida ranks 21st in the nation in giving people of all ages at least one shot. Today, it is 17th. From what exactly is the governor supposed to be distracting people? He also notes, Charles Cook also notes, indeed, as the New York Times reported back in early August, monoclonal antibody treatments have long been a key component of the federal strategy to reduce the toll of the worst outbreaks, which is why, under President Trump, the federal government uh, bought up the entire supply and distributed it distributed it to the states for free. So the truth is, and this is a brief aside, the media in this administration hate Ron DeSantis because they see him as a threat. They know he is very popular on the right and he doesn't come with all of Trump's baggage. And so they're afraid that they would actually lose to him in 2024, which I, I think if the election were tomorrow, they absolutely would. And DeSantis has tried very hard and very effectively to balance protecting people's freedom, their economic well-being, and doing what is within his power to get people vaccinated who want to be vaccinated and to get people treatment who want treatment. The vaccination rate in Florida is about 55%, which is the same as in more than some liberal states. Um, constantly, you are seeing on Twitter how terrible Florida is. I saw some trending hashtag the other day that was like, Florida is Vietnam or something crazy like this. And, you know, they're saying how reckless Ron DeSantis is and that if you would just force kindergartners to wear masks, lives would be saved. Florida is a very populous state. And right now they rank number 10 when it comes to death rate far behind both uh, New York and New Jersey, might I add who have taken extremely draconian measures for the past year and a half, and might I add again, have two of the highest vaccination rates in the country. So just something to note. Texas, another very populous state whose governor gets totally undeserved hate and untrue accusations when it comes to COVID policy, comes in number 23 for the death rate behind a place like Michigan, whose governor has been very oppressive when it comes to COVID policy. Okay, we're going to go back to the monoclonal antibody story. But before we get there, before we circle back, uh, I'm going to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Good Ranchers. My husband and I love getting our meat from GoodRanchers.com slash Allie because it's 100% American. So when you buy your steak or when you buy your beef and your better than organic chicken from Good Ranchers, you are not only getting ethically raised and sustainably sourced meat, you are also supporting American farms. My friends at Good Ranchers have traveled the United States meeting with these farmers, so they are ensuring that the meat that you get, that you put on your table, is the very best. 
Also, the process is super easy. All you got to do, you go to GoodRanchers.com, you pick the meat that you want. We typically get ground beef, T-bone steaks. Uh, we get some, uh, we get ribeye, I believe. And then we get the pre-marinated chicken, which is chili lime pre-marinated chicken and then the non-pre-marinated chicken. And it ships to your front door. It's all individually packaged, vacuum sealed. We put it straight into our freezer. And then uh, we've got a nice rotation of affordable meals every week. I really love it. It just makes our life so much easier. And I love also knowing that we are supporting American farmers. If you uh, subscribe, so if you get a box of meat every month, then you save a lot of money that way. You actually save 20% on each box. Plus, if you use my promo code Allie or go to my link, goodranchers.com slash Allie, you get an additional $20 off and free express shipping. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie or use code Allie at checkout. Get an additional $20 off and free express shipping. That's goodranchers.com slash Allie. Okay, so back to the monoclonal antibody treatment. It's been very effective, and the Biden administration admitted as much, promised to up their distribution. But then, out of nowhere, the administration announced that they would be cutting distribution to certain states like uh, Texas and Florida and Alabama. I believe that South Carolina is also included in that. Again, in National Review, Isaac Shore writes, quote, the federal government has only recently decided to take over the distribution of the antibody treatments, which Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was an early proponent of. Abruptly, the Federal Department of Health and Human Services announced on Tuesday that it would be cutting the supply provided to Florida. The administration did not provide any indication of any upcoming limitation to supply. During communications between the state and department uh, and department the day prior, according to DeSantis's press secretary, Christina Pushaw. Uh, when Jin Saki, the press secretary, was asked about this, Her answer was equity. We want it to be equitable. She said, quote, over the last month, given the rising cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70 percent of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited and we believe it should be equitable across states across the country. But number one, it's not true. Again, that Florida is lagging when it comes to vaccinations and Texas is somewhere in the middle when it comes to the list of states. And yes, uh, they have a lot of people. And so they're going to need a greater supply. And the South is getting hit pretty hard right now with COVID. So are other parts of the country. But that is probably why they are taking up a disproportionate uh, number of these treatments. And it's probably going to change in the coming months. Come fall, come winter, there will be other parts of the country that get harder than the South. But even if these states did have low vaccination rates, Texas and Florida, is that really an admission from this administration that they're rationing this life-saving care based on vaccination rates? I mean, that's pretty cruel in itself. Or maybe it's actually worse than that. Like, is this political punishment? That's what it that's what it looks like to me. That's what it seems like, considering there are other states whose antibody supply is not getting cut, Democratic states that actually have lower vaccination rates than Florida. And it also looks like a political calculation because a large percentage of the people who get the antibody treatment, again, are vaccinated people. So it seems to be a war against these red states and it doesn't actually have to do anything with vaccination rates, which even if it did have to do with vaccination rates, I still think that's wrong. That is cruel too. And that's that's the problem, a problem with the government centralizing any process. And that's the problem with so-called equity, which actually looks more like political favoritism uh, than anything else. Things become really inefficient and really corrupt really fast. And that is, by the way, what Democrats tend to want to do with elections, policing, et cetera, federalize, centralize. And it's never good. There are always unintended or maybe intended consequences that really impact people in a negative way. Remember, 
In Biden's speech on September 9th, he said, quote, if these governors won't help us beat the pandemic, he's talking about red state governors that have simply allowed people, allowed businesses, allowed parents to have the choice of masks and vaccines. He says, I'll use my power as president to get them out of the way. Now, that was a very vague and veiled threat. We also heard from a senior advisor to this administration on CNN said that Joe Biden is going to run those governors over. And so uh, that is some very strong language that didn't come with a lot of specificity, but leaves people with a very uneasy feeling. And again, is much more authoritarian and and vindictive than anything that we heard Donald Trump ever say. Uh, This seems like Joe Biden is purposely punishing the Republican states that said they're going to stand up to his employer vaccine mandate and have in general been adversarial to him, especially when it comes to COVID policy. I mean, think about that and think about that. Uh, Because that does seem like the likeliest explanation right now, since the equity one just doesn't make any logical sense. The Biden administration is very likely cutting supply of a life-saving treatment to red states because he disagrees with their governors, because the governors are giving people too much freedom and too much choice. And people will die unnecessarily because of this. This is, again, far more cruel and authoritarian than anything that we ever saw from the Trump administration. In fact, Democrat governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, said this to Jake Tapper on CNN in April of 2020, quote, I'd be lying to you, Gavin Newsom says, to say that he, Trump, hasn't been responsive to our needs. He has. And so as a question, as a sort of an offer of objectivity, I have to acknowledge that publicly. The fact is, every time I've called the president, he's quickly gotten on the line. That is from the very progressive governor of California. That's what he said last year about Donald Trump. Also in April of 2020, then governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, also obviously a Democrat, told the Howard Stern show, quote, he, Trump, has delivered for New York. He has. So we saw brashness from Trump. We saw clumsiness. We saw rudeness. Uh, but we did not see calculating cruelty like this. The the one thing that maybe you could could say uh, was the, you know, the separation of families at the border, which I also did not like and talked about at the time. But even that was more of an unintended consequence of enforcing border law than some kind of cold political calculation. So People will suffer from the cruelty of the Biden administration here. Or um, if you're wanting to be charitable, maybe you could say that it's just a, a misguided decision. Again, we find ourselves asking over and over, are the decisions of this administration just incompetence, for example, like when it comes to Afghanistan, or is it malice? It's getting harder and harder to to imagine that this just has to do with incompetence and that it's not just deliberate cruelty. Whatever you want to think, whatever you want to think about it, if you want to be as gracious as possible, that's fine. The fact of the matter is people are going to suffer unnecessarily. Um, Just like people will likely suffer because pharmacies are refusing to fill prescriptions for medications prescribed for patients by their doctors for the medicine that the media have hilariously deemed as just horse dormer ivermectin, which you're not even supposed to talk to. That's like the Voldemort of of medicines right now. Uh, it's, it's the medicine that is not to be named and it will get you banned. It will get you taken off social media. This video on YouTube will probably get punished for even uttering the word. Um, Ivermectin won a Nobel Prize a few years ago and has been used by millions of people around the world and is actually being used right now, has been used for the past year and a half by hundreds of doctors apparently very effectively to battle COVID. Now, I have not taken it. I am not recommending that you take it. I don't I don't have any experience with it. Obviously, I am not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not recommending it. All I'm saying is that from what we know from the scientific data, this is a very safe drug, a possibly an effective drug. There are doctors who disagree on that, and that's fine. Um, But the point is that pharmacists have no business refusing to fill it. Like, it's not like this is some kind of poison. And there are lots of drugs 
that are far less effective for other things and are far more dangerous to people than this one. And I have never heard a pharmacist stepping in and doing anything about any of those. It's not the pharmacist business. That is between a patient and their doctor. And it's so funny because we hear people on the left talking about abortion being this private issue um, between a patient and their doctor that the state has no business stepping in and doing something about. Of course, it's not anytime you kill an innocent human being that it's not a private issue, but that is their justification for saying that, uh, you know, the law ha- should have nothing to say uh, about a woman's, quote, private health care decisions. But apparently now they do believe in third-party actors coming in and interfering between the doctor-patient relationship and the decision-making there. Uh, this is happening at Walgreens. It's also happening at other drugstores. And I'm not sure it's a coincidence that, according to the Washington Post, the CEO of Walgreens met with the Biden administration just a few days ago. I'm just saying. Ivermectin is an FDA-approved anti-parasitic drug that can be used in animals, but has also been used in humans, millions and millions of humans. And some doctors are arguing is also effective against viruses. This is actually from our National Institute of Health. Quote, reports from in vitro studies suggest that ivermectin acts by inhibiting the host important alpha-beta-1 nuclear transport proteins, which are part of the key intracellular transport process that viruses hijack to enhance infection by suppressing the host's antiviral response. In addition, ivermectin docking may interfere with the attachment of the severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2 or coronavirus uh, spike protein to the human cell membrane. Um, So they conclude that it, it, it doesn't hurt They do say that there's, even though knowing what they know, what I just read to you, they say that there's not enough evidence to say that it helps, but they say that it doesn't actually hurt. And then other scientists and other doctors beg to differ. They say that it actually does help. A study in the Journal of Antibiotics found that, quote, treatment with ivermectin effectively kills almost all viral particles within 48 hours. A small study. It's a small study, but it's a study out of India last year studying the preventative effects of ivermectin in healthcare workers found, quote, those on a two-dose regimen had a two-dose regimen of ivermectin had a 73% reduction in COVID-19 infection. The Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance of Doctors recommends it for their patients. I will link their reasoning behind it. They have explained the data that they are looking at that makes them believe that ivermectin is actually can actually be in some cases an effective treatment um, for COVID. Ivermectin is cheap. It's easy to make. There's a very, very small list of potential side effects. And yet it's now becoming impossible to get one uh, because uh, or one reason for that is because pharmacies are refusing to fill it. Is it because of political pressure? Is it because uh, insurance companies are trying to step in here? Maybe it's both. But this is what happens when our public health officials try to limit people's access to therapeutics for uh, what seems like malicious reasons, what seems like political reasons. Um, People get really uncomfortable. They get really hesitant with things. They get really distrusting. They start to not believe what the so-called experts and the scientists are saying because it actually doesn't believe that their recommendations and their findings are based on objective reality, but are based on, I I don't even really know what the motivation is, based on some kind of nefarious, subjective, maybe political reasoning. And so they push treatments, um, the, you know, our top health officials, our public health bureaucracy, even some of our hospital systems are pushing treatments like remdesivir uh, in the hospital that actually seems to be doing more harm than good, certainly more harm than something like ivermectin. And then they pretend that the only thing a person can do to avoid getting seriously ill and dying is the vaccine when they and they also ignore the fact that natural immunity is even stronger than vaccine immunity. And they refuse to conform public policy to that fact. And then they just try to intimidate and manipulate and coerce people into doing something that they don't want to do that might not even make sense uh, for them. 
And then people, as a reaction to all of that insanity, just that irrationality, people dig their heels in. They refuse to listen at all. They refuse to trust anyone who calls themselves a scientist or a doctor or an expert because understandably they have lost their trust because they have actually been burned by this kind of stuff. A preprint study found that, quote, natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to the uh, compared to the Pfizer two dose vaccine induced immunity. Uh, individuals who were both previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 and given a single dose of the vaccine gained additional protection against the Delta variant. Um, This is not the only study saying this. Having been infected with COVID and recovering and, and recovering provides stronger immunity than not having been infected and getting the vaccine. You are more likely to have a breakthrough infection if you've only been vaccinated versus having had been infected. Plus, according to our very own CDC, quote, Delta infection resulted in similarly high SARS-CoV-2 viral loads in vaccinated and unvaccinated people. High viral loads suggest an increased risk of transmission and raise concern that unlike with other variants, vaccinated people infected with Delta can transmit the virus. So people lose trust again in the, quote, expert bureaucracy in the public health bureaucracy because all of this seems to be ignored when it comes to policy. And so the Biden administration has chosen intimidation. It's chosen cruelty in trying to restrict the supply of life-saving treatments rather than functioning scientifically and rationally. I mean, does it make any rational sense for a vaccinated person to not want to be around someone with natural immunity who hasn't been vaccinated? Like, does it make sense for the Biden administration to say this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated and the vaccinated need to be so frustrated and angry at those who are unvaccinated, knowing everything that we just read? No, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever for a vaccinated person to be angry at an unvaccinated person. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, It doesn't make any sense to block people who have had COVID from any kind of public space to kick them out of the military or to fire them from their jobs. Now, I don't think it makes any sense, nor do I think it's moral to discriminate against people who haven't gotten the shot, regardless of whether or not they've had COVID. But it definitely doesn't make any sense to discriminate against anyone who has had COVID and is not vaccinated. Unvaccinated does not mean that you're infected vaccinated doesn't mean that you're not infected. So a vaccinated person refusing to be around people who are unvaccinated are are not being reasonable. It's not rational. If you are truly concerned uh, about getting it, say you're an immunocompromised person and you want to see a friend who hasn't been vaccinated, you would be far safer having that person get a negative test than you would just having them vaccinated. The vaccine is meant to protect you from getting serious illness and dying. It doesn't necessarily stop you from getting it. And once you get it, it does not stop you from spreading it. So again, all of this cruel language about the unvaccinated really does not make sense. The policy doesn't make sense. And again, I would ask you to take a look at this CDC map that we talked about a couple weeks ago that shows vaccination rates and COVID case rates per county In the United States, I'll put it up. I'll put the picture up on YouTube. What you will see is that a large number of counties with high vaccination rates also have very high case rates. Purple, that color purple, represents the counties with the highest vaccination rates in the country. And they also happen to have the highest case rates. Um, And where on the map do we see this purple? We see it in the Pacific Northwest, in Maine, New York, New Jersey, New England, coastal California, high vaccination rates, high case numbers. And you also can't tell me that those places don't have enough restrictions. Um, Also, the New York Times reports this, quote, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released data on Friday indicating that the level of protection against COVID hospitalizations uh, afforded by the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine dropped significantly in the four months after full inoculation. The same study showed that the Moderna vaccine did not wane in efficacy during that same time frame. But Time magazine reports, quote, in a new study published on September 15th to to a preprint server, the study is not yet uh, 
peer review. That's what preprint means. Uh, researchers at Moderna, which makes one of the two mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, uh, report that people vaccinated within the last eight months had 36% fewer breakthrough infections than those who were vaccinated a year ago. So some people were vaccinated as um, as far as a year ago, I guess people who were um, kind of being tested for the efficacy of the vaccine. Now, I'm sure that these studies are being released in order to make the case for booster shots. Right now, the FDA is saying that there is not a whole lot of the evidence for booster shots, at least for people under the age of 65. Um, but if this is the case, if people's vaccines are waning in efficacy over time, if people are still getting and spreading the virus who have the vaccine, and in some rare cases getting very serious bouts of the virus, again, it makes no sense to in any way be discriminating against those who have chosen not to be vaccinated. And regardless of vaccine uh, efficacy, it still doesn't make sense. It's not good because A, freedom, and B, this virus still has a 99% plus survival rate for people under the age of 70. And we're going to talk about how some people still just don't don't seem to understand the data on that in just one second. First, I've got to tell you about our second sponsor for the day. That is Bambi. So, if you're a small business owner, I happen to know that I have lots of small business owners in this audience. You know that HR issues can kill you. It's just burdensome. Wrongful termination suits, minimum wage requirements, labor regulations. You need to hire an HR manager, but maybe you feel like you can't afford to because the average HR manager salary is like $70,000 a year. And that's a lot of money. But you also can't just let your HR issues go. That will also crush your business. And so you need Bambi. That is B-A-M-B-E-E. Was created specifically for small businesses. With Bambi, you get a dedicated HR manager who will craft your HR policy, maintain your compliance, all for just $99 a month. With Bambi, you can change HR from your biggest liability to your biggest strength. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. From onboarding to terminations, they customize your policies to fit your business. They help you manage your employees day to day, all for just $99 a month. That's an amazing deal. Month to month, no hidden fees. You can cancel at any time. You didn't start your business because you wanted to spend all of your time on HR compliance. And so let Bambi help. You can get a free HR audit today by going to bambi.com slash Allie. That's Bambi.com slash Allie for a free HR audit. B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash Allie. Okay, so just a reminder of this data, which I know a lot of us know, but apparently some people don't. The hospitalization rate is still 1% for COVID. So it is very, very rare. It's very rare to go to the hospital if you have COVID. Uh, the New York Times conducted a survey a few months ago that was super interesting that found that 41% of Democrats believe that over 50% of people who get COVID will have to go to the hospital. The real answer is 1%. Only 10% of Democrats surveyed by Gallup got the answer right versus 26% of Republicans. So Republicans were far more likely to know what the real risk of hospitalization uh, for COVID is than Democrats. It, all, it has to do with the media that you consume. The left-wing media might not be outright lying to you about the hospitalization rate and the dangers of COVID, uh, but they are reporting on every single death, or they have been in every single case. And so, for example, there have been, I think, a little over 300 people under the age of 18 who have died with COVID. That's the CDC's words. And almost all of them have had some kind of underlying condition. It's tragic, but there are 74 million people under the age of 18 in the United States. And so that is like a 0.000% chance of dying from COVID if you are under the age of 18. Say say that number is 365. It's somewhere around, uh, around there, the number of kids that have died with COVID. If you saw a report on every single one of those kids uh, once a day, once a day, you got a new report of a kid dying from COVID, even though you've only heard of 365 uh, kids, that still seems like a lot because you were seeing those stories every day. And so 
people's idea of the dangers of COVID. Obviously, we know it's a real disease or a real virus that can really be harmful for people. We know that. We acknowledge that people absolutely have died from it. I know people who uh, whose family members have died from COVID. So we acknowledge that. But when we are inundated with these stories on a daily basis, it thwarts your uh, perception of reality. You start to believe things that aren't true. And it's not only true about COVID. Like we've talked about the same thing and the same kind of survey that was taken of Republicans and Democrats when it comes to uh, unarmed black men who are shot by the police every day. I actually listened to a professor who was um, talking about a conversation that he had with one of his liberal neighbors um, uh, about police shootings. And he asked his neighbor, his liberal neighbor living in Portland, uh, how many unarmed black men do you believe, if you were to guess, were killed by the police last year? This neighbor said 22,500. Do you know that the actual number is like 22 that were killed by the police last year? Um uh, maybe actually 2019 is probably the latest accurate data that we have. And even that definition of unarmed um, by the Washington Post, who has created this database, is it's it's debatable whether or not they were truly unarmed. And so it thwarts uh, the, the kind of news that you read, the kind of stories that you consume, the kind of narratives that you latch on to actually have the power to distort your view of reality. And the problem with that is, is that people's distorted view of reality, their absolute aversion to the facts when it comes to especially COVID, it has an impact on policy. I saw a Fox News poll this weekend that said, apparently, apparently, I really have a hard time believing this, but apparently 67% of Americans polled um, support students wearing masks in schools. Wow. Like, I understand, I guess, that if you really believe that this is a, a dangerous uh, a dangerous virus for kids under the age of 18, if you think the death rate is something like 50% for kids uh, rather than what it is, which is far below 1%, then maybe that you would be supportive of that kind of policy. So people are actually advocating for policies that create more harm than good, which I believe masking in schools uh, does create more harm than good for those students. They're latching on to those policies because of a distorted view of reality, because of lies, because of propaganda. Uh, that Gallup poll that New York Times reported on also says that Democrats apparently believe that 9% of COVID deaths are people under the age of 24. Republicans believe that it's 8%, but the real number is 0.1%. So you see how the news um, can actually make it very hard for people to know what is true and to believe what is true. And it's actually very hard to get people to um, to see reality when they've latched onto something. That's hard for all of us. It's not just hard for Democrats or liberals. It's hard for conservatives. It's hard for people on either side of the aisle. If you have believed a particular narrative, it is very hard to let go of that narrative in favor of facts. Um, so when people say that the unvaccinated are taking up hospital resources and that's why the vaccinated need to be angry at the unvaccinated, or that's why the Biden administration is right to go after the unvaccinated. That's why Don Lemon is correct to, you know, say that we need to leave the vaccinated behind and that the that the or the unvaccinated behind and that the unvaccinated are just stupid. That's what he said on his show the other night. I could do and I will. Maybe I'll do a whole rant about the different moments on CNN where Don Lemon has shown that his brain might not be fully functioning like the time that he said about a year ago that he said the word disrespectful. And then he stopped and said, oh, wait, disrespectful isn't actually a word. So I don't like to make fun of people for making mistakes like that, but he is constantly calling those he doesn't agree with stupid. And I that's the that's a little hypocritical, if you ask me. But, you know, people are saying that people like Don Lamont are um, are OK for calling the unvaccinated stupid because, you know, they're putting a strain on the hospital system. So other people aren't able to get the health care that they need. But again, it is very unlikely to go to the hospital with COVID in the first place. 
And the strain that is on hospitals um, can actually be blamed on the hospitals themselves in a lot of cases because hospital systems have drastically cut staff over the past year. A lot of staff have quit over the past year, and these vaccine mandates certainly aren't going to help that. Um, uh, Many hospitals have far more beds, ICU beds, hospital beds, than they have nurses to man those beds. And so keep that in mind when you hear that um, hospitals are overflowing. Sometimes you'll see the phrase, you'll see the phrase, you know, they're out of staffed beds. That means that they're not actually out of beds. They're not out of uh, room. They're not out of space. They're out of staffed beds, which really means that they have a staff shortage, not a bed shortage, not a resource shortage. And that difference is actually important, again, when we are trying to figure out what is true? All right, I want to uh, I want to talk about masks for just a little bit um, because we've seen a couple videos come out, um, just terrible videos of two year olds being forced to wear masks. And as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, this is something that I'm very passionate about because it affects people who don't have a voice for themselves. They don't have any political capital. They don't have any power. And they are being forced to put a cloth over their face based on no data, based on no science whatsoever. And I won't go through all of the science and the data firmly proving that two-year-olds should not be wearing masks because we've done that so many times. And we'll link to my post on that. We'll link to past episodes on that. Uh, This has been in New York Magazine. This has been in uh, The Atlantic. So we've got mainstream outlets now saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Why are we one of the only countries in the world? I think it's only American, uh, America and Canada that force two-year-olds to wear masks. And what data is this based on? The American Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC have declined to offer any data showing that this is necessary. And actually, uh, a large CDC study uh, analyzing 90,000 students in the state of Georgia showed that mask mandates actually are not proven at all to mitigate the spread um, of COVID in schools. And we also know, I mean, Dr. Fauci said himself in November of 2020 that children are not the ones who are driving the virus. It's just not happening. This is a study in The Lancet that says, quote, according to serological test results, the proportion of young children in our sample with SARS-CoV-2 infection was low. Intrafamily transmission seemed more plausible than transmission within daycare centers. Further epidemiological studies are needed to confirm this exploratory hypothesis. And so the preprint study that they did showed um, that kids really aren't driving this. And actually, we have seen lots of data throughout the pandemic that um, kids are not the ones transmitting the virus. And the WHO, who again, I think is a pretty corrupt organization, but even the WHO says, under no circumstances should kids under the age of six be wearing masks. And only in certain circumstances should kids ages uh, six to 12 be wearing masks. That's why uh, none of our peer countries, except for Canada, force kids to wear masks. Some of the cutoff ages vary, but in a place like Australia, which obviously, as we know, is very draconian and very aggressive when it comes to uh, COVID restrictions, they don't make kids under 12 wear masks. Uh, A lot of places, like in the UK, for example, they don't make students at all wear masks when they're at school. And so why the United States is doing this, why the new governor of New York reinforced the policy saying that two-year-olds at daycare have to wear masks based on no data whatsoever. Like where, I want to know, where is this pressure coming from? Is it coming from I don't know, the daycare lobby? Is it coming from the teachers unions? I do think it's coming. Well, we know it's coming from the teachers unions. Actually, the report came out a few months ago that the teachers unions were impacting. We Emails came out, were impacting the CDC's recommendations on schools uh, and masks, which means that it's uh, the CDC is politicized. It's making political recommendations, not scientific recommendations, because teachers unions are political entities. And so, like, I don't understand the desire to mask children age two when other countries are not doing this. Countries, again, far stricter than the United States. We don't have any data showing this. We don't have any logic showing this. We have no science whatsoever showing that two-year-olds need to be wearing masks. It just doesn't make any sense. And we also know 
as we talked about, that cloth masks at best dry perfectly clean, sanitized cloth masks have lower than a 10% um, uh, effectiveness when it comes to stopping the droplets that come out of people's mouths when they're, you know, speaking and things like that, the droplets that could go on to infect someone else. They're only about 9.8% effective. And so you put that on a two-year-old who is not wearing it correctly, who very quickly gets the mask um, wet and unsanitized, 0% chance of effectiveness. Again, even if they were vectors for the virus, like even if they were transmitting the virus, the cloth masks aren't going to help at all. They wouldn't help at all. Again, I will link my post uh, looking at all of these studies that conclusively show that little kids shouldn't be wearing masks. I don't understand it. So I'm going to show you uh, this clip of uh, this two-year-old kid. His mom posted this video. He's at daycare. His mom is at work. This two-year-old kid is being forced to wear a mask. He clearly doesn't want to wear the mask. It's very disturbing, by the way. I mean, it just, it breaks my heart. The uh, the daycare workers are trying to force him to wear this mask and he just keeps on pulling it off. You can tell he's uncomfortable. So I'll show um, a few seconds of that clip. <laughs> Put yeah. the mask on. Yeah. You you cannot, and I know I always get in trouble for saying this, I don't care. You can't tell me that's not child abuse. You can't, you cannot tell me that's not child abuse. Forcing a child to do something that clearly is painful in some way or uncomfortable in some way, something that they don't want to do, that has, and all these qualifications are important, that has no benefit in only harm, only potential harm is abuse. Forcing a kid to do something either that they don't want to do or that is uncomfortable, uh, that has no benefit and only causes harm is abuse. What, what else is it? Like, how is that not abusive? Uh, and people say, oh, you know, you're minimizing actual child abuse. Look, I'm not saying that it's the same thing as every other kind of abuse, but there's a spectrum, isn't there? Like, isn't this at least a form of cruelty? And then there was another video that was going around. I'm sure you guys saw it of this poor child on an American Airlines flight um, a video was taken. Apparently, he has asthma, and you can see the mother in the video giving him his asthma medication. And so this was obvious to the flight. It was obvious to the flight attendant, apparently named Carl with American Airlines, who was um, telling this mom, apparently very aggressive, uh, aggressively telling this mom, you've got to put a mask on your two-year-old child. And so you can see the mom. She's holding uh, the child, and she's holding the mask on his face, and he is just crying, saying, no, no, no. He doesn't want the mask on. And literally, they were forced to get off of the plane because of this. This is insanity. It's insanity. Like, if you are a proponent of this stuff, you are enabling abuse of children. You are. Like, this allows, all of this allows these people to be the monsters that I believe they already were. So I don't believe that COVID and COVID policy has made people these cruel and calloused people. I think that they already were that. I think a lot of these people already hated children um, and they were already hateful people. And this has just allowed them to be hateful while pretending that their hatefulness is a virtue. I know it's a little bit of a hot take. And look, I'm not saying that, you know, if you thought that if, if you thought for some reason, based on no science or logic whatsoever, if you maybe thought for some reason that it was necessary and beneficial to mask two-year-olds and you were a proponent of this policy, that you are some evil person, look, you didn't know, you thought that it was good for them, I understand you were maybe acting out of a place of love and compassion and probably a place of fear. But now that you know, like now that you know the data, there's ignorance is no longer an excuse. You can no longer pretend to be naive. Like we have got to stop complying with this. You've got to speak up to your daycare. I mean, or 
don't send your kid to that daycare anymore. That might actually be the better option. You've got to speak up to your school boards. I know a lot of you have done that. Sometimes it's been ineffective and there are powers that are bigger than the schools and the school boards who are unfortunately forcing this kind of stuff. But it's not sane. It's not rational. It's not compassionate. And it's not necessary. And it just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Uh, I, I can't I can't believe I can, I guess, but I can't believe that we've allowed ourselves to get here. And then here's this other monstrous story. Um, this is a woman who she did a TikTok video. She and then someone posted it to Twitter that she claims and you can tell that she's deaf. She's speaking. She claims that she is an Uber driver. She went into a Dunkin Donuts to pick up uh, to pick up an order for her customer she didn't have her implant in, so she couldn't hear what the uh, employees were saying. And she asked them to lower their mask so she could read their lips. She asked them to write down something, uh, what they were saying, so she could kind of she could understand what they were saying. And they refused to. They yelled at her. They kicked her out. I'll play a little bit of that video. The manager comes over, and I could just tell by his body language, his face, he was going off and. <laughs> kept doing this and I kept saying, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I need to lip read. He refused to write anything down. He refused to pull his mask down. We're six feet apart through the plexiglass to the side. I'm wearing my mask. Like what more do you want from us? People don't believe I'm deaf and I could sense and feel from him that he couldn't believe me. He didn't believe me. He didn't believe I was deaf. So this doesn't this doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Like for we're we're a society that typically says that we need to cater everything we think, say, and do to the small percentage of people who uh, would apparently be benefited by us changing our behavior. So, for example, like putting your pronouns in your profile is supposed to help people who identify as transgender feel better about having pronouns that don't match their sex. But when it comes to COVID policy, when it comes to uh, COVID policy enforcement and these, uh, these I don't know, these, I'm trying not to use a term that's going to get me in trouble, these um, uh, fascists, I will say, when it comes to mask policy, we don't care at all about people with special needs who need to be accommodated. I mean, I guarantee that the people who threw her out of this Dunkin' Donuts feel very good about themselves. Like, they, they think that they're the good guys for sure. They for sure think that they are the good guys. Like, how hard would it have been to just write down what they're saying? But people... The, the mask has become a talisman for people. It's become a signal of virtue for people. It's not actually about safety. I, I really think that most people that wear masks anyway, they actually think erroneously that they're protecting themselves. Um, I don't think that they think that they are actually being good people and loving their neighbor. I think that they have a false sense of security, which is exactly what Dr. Fauci warned about before this became politicized uh, in March of 2020 when he did that interview. And he said, you know, masks actually give a false sense of security to people and it can actually make things worse because you're messing with it and you're touching uh, you're touching your face all of the time. And he said that people don't need to be wearing masks. And then, of course, six months later, it was like, if you don't wear a mask, then you're a terrible person and you probably don't actually love Jesus. Oh, my gosh. OK, I've got a couple more things to say. Got to tell you one more sponsor for the day, and that is Fast Growing trees. So if you are looking to improve your backyard or your front yard, or you want a nice plant on your front porch and you don't know what to get and you don't want to go to the nursery and pick out a plant and, you know, put it in your car and get your car dirty and all of that stuff, then you need to try out fast growing trees. So Fast Growing Trees ships directly to you from their selection of thousands of high quality shrubs, trees, and plants. A couple of fruit trees and berry bushes can produce hundreds of pounds of fruit per year. Plant, plant care and growing advice at your fingertips 24 seven and live plant experts are a phone call away seven days a week at fastgrowingtrees.com. They have thousands of high quality plants waiting to be shipped directly to your door in one to two days. Blueberries, apples, cherries, pears, pomegranates, uh, pomegranates, you name it, they've got it. No yard, 
no problem. With indoor and patio plants like avocados, lemons, and bananas, they have something for everyone. So enjoy food security, save money, and eat healthier now and for decades to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Allie. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash Allie. So just to add insult to injury with all of these completely illogical, illogical restrictions, especially when it comes to masking kids. The mayor of San Francisco uh, decided that she was going to flout her own city. It's almost like tiring to even tell the story again. Like we saw it with Governor Whitmer. We saw it with Gavin Newsom. uh, We saw it with Cuomo. We saw it with uh, his brother, the other CNN Cuomo. Uh, We saw it with Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago. We saw it with Muriel Bowser in D.C. We saw it at the Met Gala when, you know, working class AOC and her working class immigrant designer who is an immigrant from Toronto, guys. And she is literally engaged to a multimillionaire. But we saw it there when they weren't wearing masks, but the servant class was wearing masks. Nancy Pelosi at her Napa event, she wasn't wearing masks and a mask. And none of her very rich elite guests at this fundraising event were wearing masks, but the servant class were wearing masks. So Gosh, we've seen these Democrats do the same thing over and over again. And Mayor Mayor London Breed of San Francisco, she flatted her own rule, and she was at some club with some BLM activists, and she was dancing, and she didn't have a mask on, and the picture was taken, and it started circulating Twitter. People are talking about what a hypocrite they are. But honestly, guys, obviously Democrats don't care. Like, obviously they don't. They keep on electing these people. Like, obviously, the media don't care that they don't actually care because it's not politically expedient to point out the hypocrisy of uh, Democratic politicians who don't abide by their own rules. Instead, they just want to punch down. They want to punch down at people who are understandably vaccine hesitant in southern states because that's what the media has become. That's what the left wing media has become. They don't speak truth to power. They actually try to pummel everyday private citizens because it stokes hate, it stokes fear, it stokes resentment, it stokes division, and that supposedly is supposed to help their ratings, but I don't know. I think that there are plenty of shows that stoke that kind of fear on MSNBC and CNN that don't actually have great ratings, but man, they are trying. And so I just realized, like, yes, we can point out this hypocrisy, and I think we should, because you never know whose mind is going to change, and it just goes to show that, like, the people who tell you that you need to be locked inside your home, that you need to mask your two-year-old, that your two-year-old needs to be wearing a mask at, at school, they aren't scared. Like, they're not wearing masks. And remember, the recommendation is supposedly that even if you're vaccinated, you're supposed to be wearing a mask. And that's the kind of rules that they are enforcing on vaccinated and unvaccinated people um, uh, in these cities, in these Democrat-run cities. And they are not abiding by the rules themselves because they're not scared. They want you scared. They want you compliant. They want you dependent. They want you controlled. But they absolutely have... Uh, they have no intention of abiding by those rules themselves. Now, she was asked about this, and Charles Cook, again, of National Review, said that her response was, we don't need the fun police, and she was feeling the spirit, and I wasn't thinking about a mask. Okay, okay. So she was feeling the spirit in this club. We don't need the fun police, she said. Okay, I'm... I just can't. I just cannot. Because because two-year-olds and three-year-olds like it. They like the mask, but you don't like the mask, mayor of San Francisco. And so it's okay for you not to abide by it. I just cannot with these people. Holy Spirit, help me. Um, there was another tweet also that made me ask the Holy Spirit to help me hold my tongue from David Frum who is kind of unstable, it seems like, who said that there should be no tolerance of no patience for parents who do not choose to vaccinate their 5 to 11-year-olds once the vaccine is approved for 5 to 11-year-olds. Oh, I just, these people, I just can't, I just cannot, I just cannot. Um, 
All right. There's a there's a lot more that I want to there's a lot more that I want to talk about, but I don't really have time. I want to talk. Let me just say really fast that I saw this interesting article on Substack asking why does no one talk about Sweden anymore? Because Sweden now ranks 40th in the world for um, COVID death rates and is probably the least restrictive country in the world when it comes to masks, when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to, and always has been, by the way, they definitely don't mask kids or anything like that. Um, They're the same population size as Michigan, and Michigan has a much higher death rate uh, than Sweden does. And so maybe we should be asking about that. Like maybe, maybe we should be asking questions about that, why it's possible for Sweden, but it's not possible for other countries. It's not possible for states that have the same population size as them. Just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But again, that is not politically expedient. Unfortunately, this has become politicized and politics and profit, I think, have cost more lives over the past year and a half, um, probably than COVID itself has. Hot take. All right, tomorrow, I think that we're probably going to talk about the border crisis if we can get someone to come on about that. And I'm going to talk about the theology surrounding immigration again, too, because people seem to be very confused about it. All right, I'll see you guys back here tomorrow. 